Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the latest rap song on the radio. No, hearing what? The word of God. So I would fill myself with God's word. And you know what happened? That spirit got weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. He said, Pastor, did he go? Yep, he went. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Over the last few weeks, I've been uh, uh, unveiling a series that I put together. And I titled the series, All the Losers Win. And, And as you have listened and you've traveled with us on this journey you've come to realize that when we lose the attraction, the desire, the ambition for this world, it is only then that we truly win Christ. It is only then we truly can live out the commitment of the life that Christ has called. Why? Because if not, we're always going to have distractions, temptations, detourments from a life committed to God. Next week, I'm going to wrap up the series Actually, I may not because next week is Veterans Day and we want to recognize our veterans, so I may not wrap it up next week. Uh, But if I do, you do not want to miss the last part of this series uh, because it's going to help us to understand if you really are willing to lose all, you're promised to gain all. Hal Lindsey one of the first guys that really got on track of writing about the, the return of the Lord and the rapture of the church and the end times wrote a book back in the 60s called Late Great Planet Earth. How many ever read the book? It was a, just a huge book way back in the 60s. And there's been a lot of stuff that, you know, that's in the book that you look at now and say, well, that didn't make sense, and that didn't make sense. And, and then they're here back in the 80s. They had a brand-new series that came out. Um, uh, it just went in one, and mine went out the other side of the train. What? The Left Behind series. Thank you. See, it, it went from my station to theirs. They got a hold of it, so... The Left Behind series. And, and once again, you say, well, Pastor, some of it's far-fetched and some of this. Folks, the point is, is Jesus is coming back. And that is what we call the blessed hope. That we have a right relationship with God and a dedication to God. That he is coming back for you and me. Well, Hal Lindsey, and I have it on the screen. It's one of the quotes from his book. And he said these words, he said, man can live about 40 days without food, 
about three days without water, about eight minutes without air. That's a tough one there. But he said, no one can live but just a few moments without hope. It is hope that gets us up in the morning. Matter of fact, what's, I, I was, uh, just finished up a series in our church on Wednesday nights on spiritual warfare. And one of the things that is sweeping the world, not just our country, the world, is a spirit of fear. You know, of uncertainty and, and people are consumed. Anxiety drugs are, are among the very top that are doled out to people every single day just to make it through. It's like they've lost hope. And the Bible tells us that in the last days, men's hearts will fail them for fear what is coming upon the earth. But that is not you and I. And as Christians, our hope, ladies and gentlemen, is Christ in us and us in Christ. Can someone say amen? Amen. Joshua chapter 1 verse 5 says, No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Now, I know that was a promise that God gave to Joshua. Can I tell you through the lineage of Christ, through the hope of Christ, that promise was given to every single man and woman that calls upon the name of the Lord? Isaiah chapter 41 just outlines it so so clearly. It says, do not fear. I've been talking about this through this series. Do not fear because I'm with you. He said, do not be dismayed. He's talking to you and I as Christians. Folks, the world isn't going to change. You and I have to stand strong in Christ. He said, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Say that with me. I am your God. And look what he says. He said, I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. Now, understand, when the Bible talks about the right hand of God, it's talking about the power and the authority of God. When it's talking about the face of God, it's talking about the character of God. And God says to you, guess what? I'm going to hold you in my right hand. Ain't nobody be messing with God's right hand, folks. He said, all those that rage against you, he said, they'll be ashamed. They'll be disgraced. Those that oppose you. He said, guys, understand, they will be as nothing and perish, even to the point you'll look for your enemies and not be able to find them. You say, pastors, that mean God's going to kill them? Not necessarily. It could be they're standing right in front of you, and God's going to change your perspective of them and saying, what can they do? What can they do? He said, those that wage against you, they'll be as nothing at all. Why? Because I am the Lord your God. He said, don't fear. Don't fear. He said, I am going to help you. Do not be afraid, for I myself 
Folks, I don't know what that does for you. God says, I myself. How many ever growing up, you said, you better watch out. My dad's going to get you. Can I tell you, as a Christian, you can walk around and say, dad's going to get you. If you don't straighten up, my dad takes care of me. I myself will help you. I'm the redeemer. I'm the Holy One of Israel. Look at how the psalmist writes it. He said, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High rests under the shadow of the Almighty. He said, I will say of my Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. He is my God whom I trust. He said, I will save you from the fowler's snare, the deadly pestilence. Pestilence. He said, I'll cover you under my feathers and under my wings. You will find refuge. My faithfulness. My faithfulness. Did you know the Bible tells us that even when you are not faithful, God's still faithful? God said, my faithfulness will be your shield, your rampart. You won't have to be afraid at night. You won't have to be the arrow that flies by the day or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that tries to destroy in the noonday. He said, a thousand may fall at your right, 10,000 on your left, but it won't come near you. Folks, I don't know what that does to you, but that gives me hope. That gives me strength that no matter what I'm going through it, going through it, I will. Staying in it, I won't. Why? Because God's right there with me. Can somebody say amen? Amen. I love Charles Spurgeon. He's the preacher of 150 years ago, 200 years ago now. And Charles Spurgeon, he said, everyone who has omnipotence, everyone who has omnipotence as his guardian has God in their life. Omnipotence is one of those words that means the all-encompassing power of God. And you know what Charles Spurgeon went on to say? He said, God would sooner empty heaven of angels than not come to one of his saints' defense. You and I have God on our side. You and I have the strength and the power and the authority of our God. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. You will not be comfortless. Hebrews 13, it said of the Lord, let your character and moral disposition be free from the love of money. Last week, I got into the subject of finances in people's lives. And, you know, it made a few folks uncomfortable. Whenever you start dealing with something we think belongs to us, we get uncomfortable. But we learned that God said, no, it all belongs to me. And it's not just the 10% that you think you give to God. No, you're just returning it to him because it's his. Yeah, but the 90% is my. No, the 90% is his too. He just gives us the privilege of being stewards with it. And so 
Hebrews is writing here, and he said, let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money, which includes greed and lust and craving for earthly possessions. Be satisfied with your present circumstance. Be satisfied where you are, what you have. For God himself has said, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Now, I, I put this down out of the amplified version because what, they does, what it does is, is expounds on the nuances of the word. And I, I, I put it up there on the screen. Look at it here. I will never give you up or leave you without support. And look at the emphasis here. I will not. I will not. I will not. See, that's the nuance of what God is trying to tell us when he says, guys, understand, I'm making a commitment here. Three times he says, I will not in any degree leave you helpless. Well, pastor, what happens when I feel like I'm helpless? God hasn't gone anyplace. Generally, what happens when we get that feeling is because the devil's got you to believe a lie. The devil's got you to doubt God's goodness. The devil's got you to surrender to the world circumstance. When God said, I'm not going no place. I will not leave you helpless, nor ever let you down. So take comfort. We can confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized by alarm. I will not fear dread. I will not be terrified. And then it closes with these things. What can man do to me? You see the emphasis there of of Hebrews 13 is the fact that we are looking other places than God for security, confidence, certainty. And God said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to hold you in my right hand and no man can dislodge you. No circumstance can dissuade you. No situation can destroy you because I got you. Are we standing there? Are we trusting that? Are we believing in that place? What can man do? There's a statement that I've made for many, many years, and that statement's very simple. Peace is not the absence of problems. It is the confidence in the one who holds the solutions. Neither, listen to me, is security an absence of danger. It is simply the confidence in the presence of God, no matter what the danger. I'm there. God is going to keep me. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. Okay, God, if I got to go in this fiery furnace, praise the Lord, God's going to deliver me. But even if he doesn't, 
I'm still not going to serve the world. I'm still not going to turn away. Am I making any sense today? A man by the name of Andrew Benai, he said, if the Father has his kingdom ready for us, he's going to take care of us along the way. I want you to look at Romans chapter 8. Open your Bibles with me. Because I'm going to look at the entire passage. We're going to go through a portion of it that's in your, that's in your notes. But I'm going to look at the whole passage here just for a quick second. Because I believe that we have to understand, as it says there in verse 24, in this hope we are saved, we are secure, we are confident, we stand in the redemption of God. And what is the hope that it's talking about? Well, Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 1, it says, There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What the Word of God is telling us, God has given us the ability to be victorious from the condemnation or as I talked about last week, the curse that has come upon creation because of man's rebellion. There's not a single person in this room that before something went wrong, we knew it was going to go wrong because we were in the wrong place, probably doing the wrong thing. Can somebody say amen? And so the scripture goes through there and it tells us that there is no condemnation to those that walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. Why? Because when you walk according to the spirit, you are walking according to a life of righteousness as we see in verse 10. And if the spirit who raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will make alive this mortal body. He will give you the ability to stand against all the stuff your body is going to want to do, your flesh is going to want to do. No, you can't sit back and say, the devil made me do it. Folks, the devil can't make you do anything. So, brothers, it says in the 12th verse, we're not obligated to the flesh. We're not obligated to live according to the flesh. Because he said, understand, if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if you live according to the spirit, you're going to have life everlasting. For all those that are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God, the children of God. God said, I didn't give you the spirit to put you back in bondage. He said, I gave you the spirit to give you victory, to live a life of overcoming that you can call out to me and say, dad. Abba, Father, as we are heirs together with Christ. But then it says these words, starting with the 18th verse. He said that all of creation is groaning. 6,000 years ago at a place called Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says that God cursed the ground for their sake. Interesting thought, isn't it? Could you imagine if God didn't do that? They would have just went on living for eternity in that capacity. But God said, I curse the ground. And then the Bible says, as you read on through Romans here, it says that the creation was subjected to this curse. Not willingly. It didn't want to have to be under that curse. But 
It did because God subjected it to it. But then it says these words. Look at it in the, uh, it's not in your notes, folks. This is in my notes. As I was studying through this, God took me back to the beginning and said, I want you to talk about this too. So that's what I'm doing. He said uh, that uh, creation itself, verse 21, excuse me, verse 20, for creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Look at this, in hope that creation itself will also be set free. You see, when Jesus died at Calvary, he set into, into motion the last of the last days. And creation itself, as we see the world today, there's, there's more earthquakes, there's more tsunamis, there's more disruptions in the, in the uh, atmosphere, in the world, in creation, from, from all places. Not counting humanity. And God tells us that all of this stuff was for a season. But he said, I did it in hope that you would return, that you would repent, that you would be restored. So let's go to verse eight, or chapter 8, verse 24 in your notes. We were given this hope when we were saved. What, was the, what hope? That everything's not going to remain as it is. It's going to be changed. It's going to be different. And then he says these words, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. Say that with me. The good. I have a lot of people, and some translations say, work together for good. In the original language, that's not what it says. It says for the good. That means God can use bad for good. God can use the mess in your life to become a great message. That horrible trial to become a great triumph. He said, I'm going to work it all together for the good of those, what? That love God, that are called according to his purpose. We're in your notes so that he can be the firstborn among many brethren. And having chosen them, you say, Pastor, who did he chose? Everyone that would call upon the name of the Lord. Before the foundation of the world, everyone that would call upon the Lord would be saved. He said, having chosen them, he called them to come to him. Having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. Having given them right standing he gave them his glory. Can someone get excited in the house of God? What shall we say about these wonderful things? And underline this in your notes. If God's for me, if God is for me, okay, we're getting a few more. If God is for me, And God said, I'm going to seal this thing. Look what it says here. He said, I didn't even spare my son, but I gave him up for you. How much more will he give up everything else? And this, this is where I want to capsulize. Who dares accuse us 
whom God has chosen. Who dare? Now, we know the enemy ever lives to accuse us day and night before God. But look what it says here. Who dare accuse us whom God has chosen? And then underline this in your notes. No one. No one. You say, Pastor, I get, I get accused all the time. I get condemned all the time. Why are you listening? Why are you listening? I, I shared this a few weeks ago, but I want to share it again. We were at uh, Justin and Sherelle's house uh, having a wonderful dinner and just a time of fellowship. And, and uh, she has, she has uh, uh, one of those little, what that, what's that called? Where are you at? Did you, what's that called? A speakeasy? This little door that you open on the on the front door, a little window you open to see who's out there. Well, it's kind of big, but I thought it was kind of interesting because I had to bow down, kind of stoop down. And, and she told me the story. Well, Pastor, when the door was built, they had to make it my height. So I don't know if I should have said that or not, but anyway, there it is. Okay. So anyway, I'm, I'm looking out this. I think that's pretty cool. And then all of a sudden, you know, God reminded me of something I've said for many, many years. When the devil comes knocking, don't just open the stinking door. Look out and see who it is. Oh, it's you. Close the door. Close the little speakeasy. Don't open the door. Just turn around and say, Jesus, somebody wants to see you. You see... The devil don't want to see Jesus. He wants to see you. Because if he can see you, he'll try to tempt you and test you and try you to make you forget that Jesus said, if I am for you, can anything, the scripture goes on to say, separate us from God's love? Can anything? Well, Pastor, I'm going through some pretty rough stuff right now. Okay. I understand. I really do. I've been through some rough stuff. Folks, I've been so far down, the up was the only place I could look. But I always learned when the out looks bad, the up looks always good. And so I just keep my eyes focused, God. Okay. So you got all those problems. God, I got all those problems. God, just tell you, lift your eyes a little bit. The promise is still there. It hasn't changed. It hasn't gone anyplace. So the question I ask you, it's number one in your notes. If this is true, if God is for you and no one can be against you, if this is true, what shall man be able to do? I left a little blank in your notes. I don't usually do that. But what do you think I want to write there? If God is for me, what can man do? What is man able to do? Write in that blank. Nothing. Yeah, but they, they, they got some pretty big somethings. Yeah, but he's got bigger something. People say, All right, you ought to see my dad's guns. Yeah, you ought to see my dad's guns. His righteous right hand, most powerful hand in all of the universe. Life is depicted in Scripture as straight and narrow or broad and wide. And you know, every one of us begin life at the same point. Every one of us begin life at the same place. 
It is you and I that chooses whether we're going to keep Jesus at the center or we're just going to go skirting down the side. It's you and I that choose how we're going to walk this path. Folks, look, look at me, please. You can blame the devil all you want to. He ain't doing it. God set the road and said, choose you this day who you're going to serve. Let's go back to Romans 8. He said the world is in a mess. And it starts there with Romans 8.1. And he says, there is no condemnation to those who are walking in me, who do not yield to the flesh, but walk in the spirit. And then it goes on and it gives this whole display, this whole understanding of how creation is groaning. You and I are groaning. We know this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Are you with me today? But Romans 8.24 says, but we are saved by hope. What hope? Colossians 1.27 says it better than any. Christ in me is the hope of glory. The hope that one day I'm getting out of this thing and I'm going to be standing face to face and he's going to say two words I long to hear. Well done. That's all I want. That's all I want to live for. But it's because of this hope that I stand secure. And that security is very simple that all things, say that with me, all things. Now, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I did a Greek word study of the word all. You know what it means? You must have studied the same Greek. So why is it when we're in the middle of something, we think that this part isn't in the all part? Well, you don't understand where I am. All things. But you don't understand where I've been. All things. But you, but you just... All things. You ever want to do that with somebody? You, they used to, you know, you, you want to just... I got to get these thoughts past my head real quick, folks. All things. And then circle this word in your notes. I put it in capital letters. All things will. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say could be. It doesn't say possibly. It says all things will work together for the good. Well, God, I don't see how you're going to get any good out of this. But you said the good, so I'm there. Why? When you're walking in the Spirit, when you're walking in Christ, when He is the center of your life, that means you're living according to His purpose. And when it's according to His purpose, all things will work for the good. Paul writes in 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 uh, in Second uh, Corinthians four that our present troubles are small and they're not going to last very long, but they will produce in us a glory that vastly outweighs them all that will last 
forever. You say, Pastor, this doesn't seem small what I'm dealing with. Well, folks, small compared to what Christ has done and the privilege he has given. When you look at it from that perspective, there is no comparison. Am I making sense today? uh, John chapter 1 says, You who have received him, he gave you the right to become his children. A lot of people say, well, we're all children of God. That's not what the Bible teaches. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not a Christian and you're not a child of God. Well, bless God, I'm a good person. Hell's going to be lined with good people. It's a matter of making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. The Bible says in Galatians 3.26 that we are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. In Romans 8, once again, it says, those who he predestined, that word predestined was better translated predetermined to become his children because at the foundation of the world, he made a way for all to be saved, but they have to come to him. He said, those that he determined, he called, and those he called, he justified, and those he justified, he glorified. And Paul finalizes his statement of encouragement, and he said these words. He said, what shall we say to those things? If God is for me, the psalmist long before Paul recorded it this way. If the Lord is with me, what can man do? What did you write in your notes? What can man do? Nothing. So, let's continue on here. If what I have just said is true, what can Satan do? Oh, you got another blank in your notes there. What can Satan do? Write that down there. Write it down like you believe it. Write it down nice and bold and hard. Nothing. When the devil shows up, says, oh, Jesus, nothing is here. <laughs> now, now, folks, I'm not trying to be trite. I'm not trying to be flippant. But the reality, greater is he that is in you. Luke chapter 10. Look what it says here. I have given you authority. Look at somebody and say, I've got authority. That was pitiful. <laughs> now look at somebody and say it like you really believe it. I got authority. And you know what that authority is? The Bible says to trample upon serpents and scorpions. That's, that's kind of cool in itself. But listen to this. To overcome all. There's that word again. You want to know what the Greek means? So when the devil shows up, who's greater? Christ in me. All power of the enemy. And then I want you to circle this word. Nothing. Is that a familiar word? What can man do? Nothing. What can the devil do? Nothing. Look what he says here. Nothing will harm you. Let's go back to Romans again. You see, when I have that confidence, I can stand and and I can say, who dare accuse me? 
I'm God's chosen. God himself gave me that right. God himself gave me that right. Can anything separate me from God's love? Let me take you back into the scripture. Can I tell you there's nothing better to do in your life than to pick up this book and read it? There's nothing better in your life to pick up God's promise. That's what the Bible's called, God's promise. God's letter to you and me. Nothing better than to pick it up and read it. I was sharing with our class on Wednesday night. I went through a a time uh, several years ago where I allowed the enemy to come in, a door that I opened And I allowed a spirit of fear to come in and get a hold of my life. And ladies and gentlemen, it was skin-crawling fear. I was was, uh, preaching in Australia. I was six weeks in Australia. It's actually gone eight weeks because after that I went to Singapore and Malaysia and uh, some other of the islands around there. And and I was down there. And in that time that I was gone, I lost almost 30 pounds of weight because I just couldn't eat. I was, I was tormented. I would walk around day and night reading God's word out loud to myself. You know why I would do that? Pastor, why don't you just sit down and read it? Just read it out. Because my spirit man had to remember who was in charge. You say, well, your spirit knew who was in charge. Yeah, but my fleshly man didn't want him to know who was in charge. So my Bible says faith comes by Hearing. And hearing by the latest rap song on the radio or the latest country song on the radio. No, hearing what? The word word of God. So I would fill myself with God's word. And you know what happened? That spirit got weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. He said, Pastor, did he go? Yep, he went. Fine. Power. Ephesians chapter 6. Look what it says. Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Write this down in your notes. Ephesians 3.20. It says, exceeding abundantly above anything I can ask or think, He is able to do according to His power that works in me. In Romans chapter 8.37. This is the passage that victorious life, the whole name of this church, the whole concept of this church came from. That we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Can somebody get excited in God's house? Come on, we are more than conquerors. Now, it's interesting. I I went up and I, I I looked up that phrase because I've shared this with you that that phrase did not exist before Paul penned Romans chapter 8. More than conquerors. It came from the Greek word herpanikio. It means to vanquish beyond a decisive victory. Literally, we are preeminent victors. And the devil knows that. He knows he's conquered. He knows he is under our feet. But he's hoping he can get you not to know that. That's why he doesn't stop. That's why he continues over and over And over again. Back to Isaiah 41. 
all that rage against you? God said, I'm going to bring them to shame. I'm going to disgrace them. All those that oppose you, they're going to be as if nothing at all. All those. You see what Paul's doing here when he writes this more than conqueror's thought. He's incorporating the physical and the spiritual maladies of life. And then he says these words in the 38th verse of Romans 8. He said, man nor devil can do anything that will overcome you. For you are more than a conqueror, an overcomer through Christ. So folks, if what I've said is true, that man can do nothing, when I am standing solid in Christ, and the devil can do nothing, if I'm standing solid in Christ, if all of this is true, let me ask you one more question. What shall God be able to do to the man or the woman that says, Jesus is my fortress, my strength, my overcoming victory? What can God do through that person? Everything. He can do everything through that man, through that woman. The Bible tells us they are well kept who God keeps. In John 10, he says, my sheep hear my voice. I'll give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Can somebody get excited? The Bible tells us in, 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 in that Jesus ever lives to stand in the gap for you and me. We find that in Hebrews 7.25. He ever lives to make intercession for you, for me. In John 17, God, when, when Jesus was going out of the world, he was praying. This is what we find. We call it the disciples' prayer. Okay, And uh, a lot of people, they call this the disciples' prayer, and they call the Lord's prayer the Lord's prayer. I actually think it's the other way around. I think the Lord's prayer was Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray, you and I how to pray. And this This prayer is the prayer that Jesus prayed for a covering. Look what he says in John 17. He said, uh, 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 John 17, yes, my prayer, God, not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them in the world. You protect them from the evil one. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he said, folks, I'm coming back, but I'm not willing that a single person perishes. This is, goes back to Romans chapter 8. The whole of creation is groaning. Creation itself knows the days are counting down. You and I know something's going on. But God said, I'm not willing that one that would call upon me would perish. And that's why he said in Philippians 1, I'm going to finish what I started in you. And in this world. But he said you got to stand strong. Know. That in me. You can do everything. Because I will give you strength. You see folks. This is why. Paul. So confidently could write in Romans 8. I know. That all things. Will work together. Because Paul already accepted that his value was not in life or this world, 
this series, All of the Losers Win. You've got to lose the perspective you have of that next win or that next victory or that next this in the world status. Folks, it's in Christ because in Christ, when you lose the world, you win eternity. This is why Paul could boldly say, for me to live is Christ. To die, gain. And then he stood with encouragement and strength as he concluded Romans 8. Look at it with me, 38 and 39. He said, because of my commitment to Christ, I'm convinced that neither death I always thought it was interesting in my studies of years ago. Why did Paul start out with death? Because it's the thing we fear the most. It's the thing we can't stop. Houdini, dead. Hitler, dead. Muhammad, dead. Confucius, Buddha, dead. Well, there's one that defeated death. And he is alive. Can somebody say amen? His name is Jesus. I am convinced that neither death. See, Paul could write that because he knew who he lived for and who lives in him. And he said, it's Christ in me that I have this hope. And he said... Death doesn't have any power over me. Life has no power over me. Angels have no power over me. Demons have no power. The future has no power. The height and depth and all of creation has no power and cannot separate me from the love that I have in Christ Jesus my Lord. You see, as Christians, ladies and gentlemen, we can be secure in God's promises. You know why? Because we understand our value to God is immeasurable. So much did he love us that he gave his only begotten son. And we know that life and living in this world was never meant to bring us happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. We know that things are not what give you and I security that the world desperately needs and desires. And we understand that tomorrow only holds the victory because we stand in Christ today. Can you say amen? This is why Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 says, I keep my eyes fixed. Oh, not on what I see. I keep my eyes fixed on what I don't see. For what is seen, what you're facing, what you're living, what you're going through is temporal. But in Christ, the rest is eternal. Isaiah, if I can go back to 41, says, so don't fear. I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I've got a little riddle that I want to give you. And the riddle goes like this. What's bigger than God? 
What's meaner than the devil? People do it every day. And if they don't stop doing it, they're going to wind up in hell because of it. Don't answer. Maybe you know because I've shared this before over the years. But let me ask you, what's bigger than God? What's meaner than the devil? What does people do every day? And if they don't stop doing nothing, they will wind up in hell. You don't get to heaven just because you're a good person. You get to heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. No other way. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to Burger King makes you a Whopper. So if I can ask you in your notes, answer for me if you will. What can man do? What can the devil do? But if you'll believe, what can God do? As the worship team comes, before you start playing, before you start playing, I got a video I want to show you. Every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night, you walk into this church and you deal with stuff between Sunday and Wednesday. And from Wednesday to Sunday, you're going through this, that, or the other thing. But when you walk into these doors, you walk into the potential of great victory. Oh, not because you can't have great victory out these doors. But so many of us choose to live our lives outside, not asking Christ inside. And so it takes us coming back together. That's why the scripture is so adamant. Do not forsake the assembling together, especially as you see the day approaching. Let me tell you something. When you walk through these doors and you lift your hands to pray, I want you to remember that you are talking to almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful God, the creator of heaven and earth. The blast of his nostrils can split the cedars of Lebanon. He holds the seven seas in the palms of his hand. He weighs the mountains in a scale and the hills in the balance. You can ask him for things so staggering, so big, that God slides out of his chair and sits on the air and says to the angels, did you hear what he said? Ask him, ask him, ask him for things that are impossible because with God, nothing is impossible. Ask him to defeat the giants in your life because our God is a giant killer. Ask him to divide the sea before you and to bury Pharaoh and watch him turn your enemies into fish food. Ask him, ask him to send fire from heaven as he did for Elijah and he will. Ask him to walk with you in the fire of the fiery furnace and be the fourth man in the fire and he will he said you will walk through the fire and the fire will not burn you you will walk through the water and the water will not drown you ask him he's the God who cannot fail he's waiting to show you great and mighty things ask him pray 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 God in heaven wants you to have that power you are made in the image of God God is not a statue he speaks he thinks he talks he feels our infirmities he answers our prayer. He's alive. He's Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. He's Jehovah Nissi, the Lord who is our banner. He's Jehovah Shalom, the God our peace. Pray, pray, pray. God 
eyes in heaven saying, what do you need? Do you need healing? Ask in faith, believe it, and I will give it. Do you need supernatural wisdom to make a tough decision? Ask of me, and I will lead you in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Do you need peace that surpasses understanding? Ask, 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 for nothing is impossible to those that believe. No good thing will he withhold from those that diligently seeking. Do you need the impossible? Then open your mouth. Open your mouth in faith, believing. You're not talking to the President of the United States. You're not talking to Bill Gates. Both of them together can't control their next breath. You're talking to the Creator of heaven and earth. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He uses gold for asphalt on the streets of heaven. He moves mountains. He divides seas. He'll give you wells you didn't dig, vineyards you didn't plant, houses you didn't build. He will make you the head and not the tail because nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible to you. Come on, somebody, get excited. Let's all stand to our feet in this building. Come on, give him praise in the house of God. Nothing can man do. Nothing can the devil do. But everything can God do to those that will believe. I'm going to lose the world and I'm going to gain glory. But I got to do it by trusting, seeking, obeying. relationship with God, folks. I love my wife. She is the greatest thing in my life. But she is not my life. He is my life. And she wouldn't want it any other way. When I change my life for her, I got a problem. Now I'm not talking about living a messed up life and trying to get it right so you have a right relationship. Folks, I will never be the man she wants me to be until I become the man he's called me to be. And I can't do that by making her do something. God change her. God change her. God change her. You know, God says, shut up. You need the help. And she'll never be the woman I've called that I want. Why? Because I don't have a clue what a woman's supposed to be. Don't laugh. You don't either. But he does. And so my prayer is, God, help her to become the woman you call her to be. You will never become the man or the woman that God called by grabbing a hold of the world for your security. you got to grab a hold of him. you got to lose this world and win Christ. Only then will you be victorious. Only then will you truly be a winner. You see, God's math is real simple, and I'm going to talk about this next week. God's math is real simple. You lose all, you gain all. You lose all, you gain all. God, today, we thank you. God, we thank you, we praise you that you have to be first in our lives. God, in Jesus' name. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you've been. But I can tell you right now, if you've got a mess in your life, 
You need a new messenger. And his name is Jesus. You need hope. And you can only find that in Christ. And folks, you will never find any satisfaction anywhere. Oh, you'll get little tidbits of this, that, or the other thing. But you'll never have the winning combination that God wants you to have until Jesus takes the reins. Takes the reins. If you're here today and your heart's not right with God, I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about a born-again relationship. If you're not born again, you won't go to church. Oh, you'll go periodically. Sometimes, even if you are born again, you think that I don't have to go to church. Yeah, you do. You do. This world's not getting easier. It's not getting better. And the worse it gets, the more you need Jesus. Maybe your heart's not right with God. I want to open these altars. Maybe your heart is right with God, but you just say, I just, I got to grab a hold of this. I've been reaching for this thing. I've been reaching for that thing. I mean, it's been career this. It's been job that. It's been relationship here. It's been fill in the blank. Well, folks, only God can fill that void. That's why we ask God to be the center of everything we are. These altars are open just for a moment. Just for a moment before we change the order of the service, before Pastor Ray comes. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus in your life? Where is Jesus in your life? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.